Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. To think and just reflect on ourselves and think about who we are as an individual. Who is it that we are that nobody else really sees? And so as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a goofball, I'm extroverted, I'm personable. And the more I thought about who I was, the less I was seeing myself play out every week. What I mean was I wasn't seeing that goofball in action. Almost like I was trying to live a a shell of who I was. And the next couple of days, I just reflected more on and more and more on what it was I was feeling. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like myself. I wasn't getting enjoyment out of the things I typically liked to do. I wasn't um, playing video games because I enjoyed them, but rather just I wanted to fill space. And so after conversations with my fiance and telling her that I just felt like there was this void inside of me, pulling all, all emotion and all motivation out of me, um, just having no real desire to do anything, she said, well, Michael, maybe you should go back to counseling. So I start going back to counseling. Um, and I'm very appreciative of Mount Vernon for having um, counseling that students get to use for free because Dr. Eric said, Michael, I think you have depression. I was like, hoo-hoo, wonderful, great. Um, so, yeah, so this, the last few weeks I've been dealing with um, some, some minor depression. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of us are seeing or maybe even experiencing as we have been going through um, this season um, as the sun is getting, or sun setting a lot sooner. Um, there's a lot, it's cold sometimes, sometimes it's warm for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I started going back to counseling and I started, um, started trying to cope with uh, this depression. And the last few days um, during finals week and as I moved back home, uh, for, for Christmas break, I realized that before I started going to counseling, it was, it was getting worse and worse. It was progressing a lot quicker than, than um, I guess anyone would want it to. I don't know if anyone wants depression. But I realized that I was trying to do it on my own. That I was trying to grasp at something that I could not give myself. And I was seeking means of the, in, in the world of playing video games and being on my phone all the time and just laying in bed trying to just do nothing. I thought that it would give me a sense of peace. But it wasn't. And it seemed like the more and more I was trying to, to be mentally healthy, the worse and worse it was getting. There was this elusive and mysterious beast that was also graceful at the same time that I was trying to grab the reins of, 
but every time I grabbed the reins, they would just slip out of my hands. This peace seemed inescapable, or it seemed ungraspable. It didn't seem like I could actually ever achieve it. And as I'm telling you guys this, maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Maybe it's not exactly that you're, you're dealing with some mental health issues, but you're trying to find peace, and you can't find it. I think all of us can say at least once in our life, we've experienced a time where we lacked peace. Maybe there's internal circumstances like mental health issues that I was talking about, or this, this voice of doubt um, just playing into your life, telling you that you're not ever going to measure up to something. Maybe it's an internal circumstance like that telling you that you can't have peace. Perhaps, though, it's an external circumstance. You're having, you're having family problems, uh, you're having work problems, or, or there's an illness that you're now dealing with. Both, both internal and external circumstances can leave us yearning for a sense of peace. And our, our culture would say that peace is living a life without consequence, or I'm sorry, without conflict. Living a life without conflict. Last time I was here, and I'm going to say it again, that is not true peace. That is not a biblical understanding of peace. Because what conflict does for us, it actually helps us in the long term. In the moment, conflict is not fun. But it opens up our, our, flight, our fight or flight response. And it requires us to respond to the conflict and if you're a flight person or a fight person, either way, you're going to grow. Either way, you're going to, to gain a little bit more resilience. Or you're, you're going to gain um, a new understanding of how you could deal with problems or foresee problems that are going to happen in the future. So if conflict actually creates growth, then maybe peace isn't living a life without conflict. Because I don't think God wants us to just live flat and live stagnant and we don't grow at all. We just stay exactly who we are forever. I think God wants us to, to continue growing. So peace cannot mean that. Something that I, I've learned from my classes and especially um, one of my professors that, that just retired, uh, he was the Old Testament professor. Um, he talked a, a lot about peace, especially the last class I took with him. It was, um, it was, this class was called Psalms and Wisdom Literature. So peace was brought up a lot, especially in Psalms. And he taught us that peace, a biblical sense of peace, is completeness and wholeness. A holistic sense of being complete. The entirety of who you are is whole and complete. Relationships and situations get brought back together to a sense of peace, to a sense of wholeness. And that is why when I was trying to find my own peace, I could not find it. Because when we try and find peace, when you try and be complete on our own by ourselves, we cannot do it. 
How can one person be whole without another? Because we're relational people, we're relational beings. We exist in relationship. It is impossible for us to exist outside of relationship because as soon as we're born, we have our mother and our father. So we need someone else. We need something else. We need, we need a miracle to make us feel whole again. For the people of Israel in the Old Testament, peace always seemed to be just a little, little off, just a little out there, always out of their grasp. The ans- their ancestors um, in the early book of Genesis, it seemed that they were always in conflict Maybe not exactly that they were at war with someone, but they were always, there was always a little bit of tension going on between their ancestors, usually with the rest of the family, and just the outside world. And then eventually one day, they all go to Egypt. They move there because, um, because the, uh, the, youngest, the youngest brother, I guess the second to youngest brother, um, had a very good opportunity, and all the, all the family was able to move back there. And things are going great. It seems that they're living in peace. Till one day... The Pharaoh decides, let's, let's enslave them. So now they have to deal with the tensions and the, and the problems and the conflict of being enslaved by another group of people. And so God hears their cries and hears their pleas and he takes them out of Egypt. And in doing so, there's even more tension and more conflict. And then they begin to wander in the desert for 40 years as God is leading them, trying to, trying to shape them into his people and to, to, to be the nation of priests that he wants them to be. And in doing so, the people complain the entire time they're out there. Again, conflict. It's the, a sense of not having peace. And so finally then, they get, to the, they get to the promised land and all the tribes get set up in their boundaries. And, and if you read the book of Judges, you'll see that there's just constant conflict, um, usually with an outside force. And then at the end of the book, um, they have conflict just within themselves. And they, they end up having a civil war and almost destroy an entire tribe. And then, and then eventually we get, we get the kingdom um, Saul's kingdom, and then David's kingdom, and then Solomon's kingdom. They go three generations before having a civil war. It seems that Israel was always trying to find their own sense of peace, and, and, and a peace that was created through conflict and violence and conquest. We get to the kingdoms divided um, We've got the northern ten tribes, and we've got the southern two tribes, Israel and Judah. We get, we, the Old Testament, most of it is, are, are prophetic books, books written by prophets to these nations to try and bring them back to God. And the prophet Isaiah, he's witnessing this lack of peace. He's witnessing what he sees as a darkness placed over the nations as they're trying to find peace, and all that they have is conflict and tension and a, and a broken incompleteness. And we get in Isaiah 6 a message about how, about how God plans to break, break this. So in chapter 6, we get three reasons why the darkness is going to break. First, there's going to be a yoke of slavery broken. 
Second, there's going to be a destruction of the weapons. And third, starting in verse, uh, verse, uh, verse, verse 6, yeah, chapter 9, verse 6, my bad. Um, a child is born. And so we see then in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. I'm going to nerd out for a little bit because I love the Hebrew language. It's beautifully uh, written. It's beautifully structured. And actually, a full translation, if we can go back um, a verse, back to verse uh, 6, the title's given, um, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A full translation actually says, a wonderful counselor is the mighty God. The everlasting Father is a prince of peace. The son that is going to be given to the world to break the darkness and to bring, bring a sense of peace, to bring everything back into completion and wholeness, is not just any son. He is the mighty God. He is from the everlasting Father. Because if if we're going to have peace and completion and wholeness again, how are we going to do it without God? How is a person going to bring peace and wholeness and completion if it's people that can't seem to grasp peace in the first place? In verse 7, this child is going to be a king. This child is going to have this everlasting kingdom that he'll reign on it forever and ever. And from it are going to flow justice and righteousness, the things that bring completion and wholeness. And Isaiah is seeing this kingdom, and he's looking at the kingdom ruled by Ahaz, and he sees that they're polar opposites. Because there's the sense of incompletion and and, and disunity in the nation because there is not this justice or this righteousness flowing. But this king, the son that's going to be born, the king that is God, is going to bring completion and wholeness because of the justice and righteousness that will be flowing. About 700 years after this is written, a child is born in a small cave in a rural town outside of Jerusalem. And, and nine months before this, this angel appears to this, to this girl and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. He's going to have this kingdom, and he's going, to, he's going to be the Messiah, the Savior of all of Israel and all of the world. And his kingdom is going to be flowing with justice and righteousness, alluding back to Isaiah 9. The son grows up, and he, become, he becomes a preacher, and he travels, um, he travels the country preaching about this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom that is going to be flowing with justice and righteousness to bring unity and completeness and wholeness back to the world. 
Jesus, in his, one of his final messages that we find in the book of John, he's preparing the disciples for his departure. And he's, he's preparing them for his departure, but also for the arrival of the Spirit. And in trying to calm their nerves down, in chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus, Jesus says this, peace, oop, wrong passage, my bad. I'll just read it off the screen. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This, this passage, especially, especially the, the middle um, sentence, I do not give to you as the world gives, really is dealing two blows to the culture. First of all, the Roman Empire, I'm sure the teens are going to know this, um, lived during this time in a time period called Pax Romana, uh, which means the peace, <laughs> we got one that remembers, it means peace of Rome. It was Rome's um, kind of propaganda that there was just going to be this massive time of peace in the Roman Empire so long as everyone obeyed them and did what they said. Now, all the outside nations, they weren't a part of the empire, so what did Rome do? Well, if we want Pax Romana, if we want peace of Rome, we're going to have to go conquer them. We're going to have to go, go into battle and defeat them and enslave the ones that don't want to be a part of the empire. And so... I've already dealt with why peace should not be understood as a lack of conflict. And this is what really Roman peace was aiming at, is that we'll have peace so long as there's no conflict. As long as everyone just does what we say, there won't be a problem. But I've already said why that's an issue, because it doesn't create growth. There's a second group of teachers um, coming from the Greek tradition, mostly, uh, that that they were teachers of tranquility, as I called them. They, they taught that there is some mystical way that you can get yourself internal peace, that you can find peace for yourself. I've dealt a little bit with this already in saying that you cannot find peace on your own because you exist in relationships. It requires someone else, something else to give you that peace. But Jesus says, peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Why? Because Jesus is God and God exists in peace. Through the Trinity, there's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, existing in love and in peace, in completeness and in wholeness. Existing purely as peace, God is freely able to give peace and not run out. Because our peace will always fail, but God's peace will never fail. Our peace may fail, but God's peace never will. I think what Jesus was trying to let his disciples know and now let us know is that we're going to experience conflict and strife. We're going to experience some internal or external comeuppance that, that creates this sense of worry and this sense of, what do I do now? 
Jesus wants to let us know that while you're trying to find peace and you're, and you're striving for something that you can never grasp, I have already given it to you. I have already been offering you peace. <laughs> and this peace we have with God upon reaching salvation, upon accepting God's life in our, in our hearts, as Roman five, Romans 5.1 tells us, that we have peace with God through our salvation but that peace is not always given in the instant. The peace is not always given in the situation. The peace we have to work for. We have to work with the Spirit in getting that peace. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Um, this, this is an introduction um, that Peter writes uh, to, to some of the churches, and he says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with, with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This peace that we get from the, from the sanctifying work of the Spirit when we habitually work with the Spirit to change our lives so that we can be transformed into the image of God more and more so that we can have peace, so that while we might be facing internal or external um, conflicts, we might have a sense of everything's, everything's going to be okay. I'm still complete. I'm still whole. This thing that, that I can't control is happening, but what I can control is the fact that I can rely on God to give me peace. As we grow closer with God and as our relationship with God goes stronger every day, that peace is given to us more and more stronger and stronger to the sense of where we get caught up in some random thing. Maybe we get T-boned in, in an intersection. We can still remain peaceful in the situation and know that this is horrible right now, but I'm still complete because I'm one with, with my Father. I think my, this episode of depression, whatever it is, it might be seasonal for all I know. It's depressing with how miserable it is all the time. I, I don't think I don't think I would be as good as I am right now, mentally, if it wasn't for the fact that I realized I needed to, to rely on Jesus for peace, that I needed to stop trying to give myself peace because I cannot give it to myself if I've never had it in the first place. But once I started realizing I needed to rely on God for that peace, once I started realizing that He's offering it, I just need to accept it, and to, to walk with him daily, that I might have my moments where I'm feeling empty inside. But I'm still feeling complete because I know that God is present in the moment and he is with me and that he loves me. So for, for those of us that have accepted Jesus, what I'm what I'm, trying, what, I, what I'm seeing from the text and what I'm trying to have you guys understand is that our peace is not on our own doing. 
our peace should be from God and that Jesus is offering it freely. And so as we go through life and as we go through these horrible circumstances that we might find ourselves in, Jesus is there with peace. Lean on him, rely on him, work in step with the Spirit to be transformed, to accept that peace. But also we're called to be peacemakers. And so as we go through life and we see these broken relationships and these broken situations, God wants to use us to step into those moments to bring peace to those relationships, to bring wholeness and to bring completeness to those situations, to be an active agent in the good work and bringing the kingdom of heaven now. For those that haven't really accepted that, that call to be loved, and accepted Jesus in your life and to, to experience the Spirit in your life. As, as we go through this Christmas season and this week of Advent, theme is, is, is peace. Aren't you tired of striving for something that you cannot reach? Aren't you trying to, to experience peace, to coldness and completeness? in your life and, and in the situations that you might find yourself in. Don't you want to be whole? Because there's a God who loves you so much that he sent his only son to come and to die for you so that you might experience wholeness again. So that you might experience his love and his joy and his peace and his hope. So that you might experience life. And for all of us, if there's anything that you're going to remember, let it be that our peace might fail us and probably will fail us, but God's peace is never going to fail us. Thank you, Eugene. There's, there's a song that I, I listen to quite often. Um, he's, a, he's a Christian uh, rapper, and in the, in the song he, he's dealing with... Um, He's dealing with his, his, his relationship with his father. It's broken. And at the end, he closes, he closes the song with a prayer. And so I was curious about this prayer, and so I researched it. And um, it's beautifully, it's very well beautifully written. Um, so I figured it was Catholic. Um, it wasn't. Um, it, was, it was actually part of a sermon in, um, in 1941 by an American theologian. And it should be, should be back there if you want to throw it up. And so as we close, I just... I just want to lead all of us together in this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting the hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make things, make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. This peace that, that Jesus offers, that God offers, the, the wholeness and completion that he's offering, it is, it is for us now. But that the truest, purest sense of this peace comes when Jesus comes back, when all things are made right, 
when all things are brought back into proper order, when we can truly experience God with us because he will be in the world so beautifully, so, so purposely and intentionally that all we can experience is peace. So, I guess I'll close in prayer again. <laughs> Lord, as, as we go out into this week and as we go into the Advent season, just let your peace be a constant reminder in our lives. Remind us, Lord, that if we want to experience peace, you are offering it. And give us, give us the courage to see the things that need to be changed. Give us the courage to help change those. Let us be peacemakers for your kingdom. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, one thing you said that I'm going to process, so I highly suggest that you think through some things that he has said, is that uh, how can you give what you do not have? How can you experience something that you do not have? Um, I think that was, that was a wise statement, and uh, that is something that, that I'm going to be processing this week. Um, appreciate that. I would like for you, um, one thing that I want to challenge you with, right? We, we always want to take what has been given and, and carry something out and, and apply it to our life. He first started talking about conflict, and here at Wapaknaz, I don't know if you noticed, but... We have a plumb line that hangs above us because there are some, some uh, linguistic plumb lines that, we, that, that kind of make our culture. And one of those is, uh, came out of all of the technological issues that we had for like ever was embrace the awkward, right? Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Embrace the awkward. Conflict is awkward, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. What's our natural response? Avoid it. Dance around it. Walk on eggshells. Don't have it. But peace, quite frankly, is embracing the conflict. It's on the other side of that conversation. So I would like for you and us whatever conflict that we may have in our life with someone, and it could be even yourself, if there's conflict, I'd like for you to embrace it. Embrace the awkward. Have the conversation, because once you do that, peace is right on the other side of that. So would you mind break, embracing the awkward this week? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dude. Please stand. Please stand. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Go Bengals. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community 
and to love people to Jesus.